The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Live from MMA Fighting Studios, this is Between the Links. And now, your host, Mike Heck. Yes, indeed. The iconic voice of Esther Lynn welcomes you to a brand new edition of Between the Links here on MMAfighting.com. Hope this week finds you well. Thank you for joining us. And man, is there a lot to talk about this week. UFC 263 was pretty wild. Left us with plenty of storylines to discuss. Storylines that we will dive into this week on the program. It is a big matchup this week, ladies and gentlemen. So let us get right into it. Let us say hello to the interim BTL champion looking to take that interim and turn it into undisputed. Although he might be a little down in the dumps. After the Fight Circus news, that event got delayed yet again. So, uh, will he be a little distracted this week? Will his takes be a little colder than usual? Let us find out as we welcome back MMA Fighting's Jed Mishu to the program. Hi, Jed. You all right, buddy? It's with a heavy heart that, that I'm here today. I, I had a, every intention of, of talking trash about how I have more interim title defenses than the champion has actual title defenses. But I, I just can't because my boys... My boys, they, they had to push off again, and we are once again, Mike, denied the phone booth, not Muay Thai, phone booth left way fight. And that is no longer happening this weekend. And I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to be able to shake it, honestly. She's, you know, the champs, she's getting a, a wounded, wounded animal, but maybe that's the most dangerous one. Fair enough. And, you know, maybe Fight Circus will turn that phone booth fight into something even more exciting. They up the stakes the second time around. Maybe the third one will be even crazier. So we'll have to keep our eyes on that as we welcome back the undisputed BTL title holder. She went through the BTL 50 gauntlet and most would say, you know what? I've accomplished everything I've wanted to. I can't do it any better than this. 
thanks for the cheese. I'm out of here, but not this individual. She returns to the show to defend her crown. Phoenix Carnavale. Phoenix, welcome back. How are you? I'm good. And we had a great weekend. So what a better way to kick that off, but to talk about some amazing fights and some of the most captivating people we've seen on the card in a while. That is a that is very true statement, and uh, we're going to get right into it and discuss those tastemakers, if you will. We will start with the main event from this past Saturday night in Glendale, Arizona, UFC 263, capped off by Israel Adesanya's successful title defense against Marvin Vittori. Pitches a shutout, was in very little danger throughout the fight, and at first, Marvin seemed to think he won the fight, which I honestly hoped he would continue with and run with that for the rest of his career and say he was 2-0 against Adesanya, but alas, he landed on just kind of having an issue with the overall scoring in the fight. So regardless, Izzy wins the fight 50-45s across the board. So Jed Bashu, we'll begin with you, sir. How would you grade the last style Bender's performance on Saturday night? It's a B. Uh, I mean, first, I want to say I agree with you, Mike. Uh, if you're going to be a bear, be a grizzly, Marvin Vittori. You know, go all in on the absolutely ridiculous nonsense that that is. Go full trail sunning with it and be like, yeah, man, I won every round. That should have been 50-45 the other way. I almost submitted him with that RNC. Like, just absolutely the worst thing you could do is be like, I think I won, but really I'm just mad that I didn't win more rounds. Like, get out of here with that nonsense. As far as Izzy, good. I mean, it's it's hard to knock a man for putting up 50-45s over a legitimate title contender, but – I don't know. Maybe it's just that we're seeing more because, you know, it's hard to be a long-reigning champion. It's hard to be at the top of the division. I saw nothing to make me think Robert Whitaker, you know, will beat him when they rematch. But it, I did see plenty of, of ways to attack Israel Adesanya after that. I mean, he consistently got backed up to the fence. And Vittori just couldn't do anything with it. His entire game plan was focused on getting the takedown. And that is where Adesanya is really good at defending takedowns is, is with his back up against the cage. But if instead Vittori did some other things, if he attacked the body more, uh, if he kicked back with Adesanya, I think he could have had a lot more success and made it an, an uglier fight uh, as opposed to just really getting lit up, like not lit up, but teed up, just teed off on. Uh, and so, you know, I, Hard for me to say whether this is uh, a consistent thing that we're going to see from Adesanya moving forward, but he really has become far less willing to open up with his own offense. Uh, he's really turning into that Anderson Silva, I'm strictly looking to stay defensively savvy and counter. And, I mean, that strategy strategy did not work out for him against Jan Blahovich. Obviously, Jan has a lot of size, but – I. Straight up, I think the biggest takeaway I had is I know they would never fight, but if Kamaru Usman bumped up to middleweight to go for a second belt, I would favor him to beat Adesanya after that performance on Saturday. What do you think, Phoenix? Jed's given Adesanya B. Where does your grade fall on? I give I give him an A, and I also want to give Jed an A for for making that Kamaru Usman comment because I think, well, oh, I never even thought of that, and how interesting would that be? But I think the reason I give uh, Izzy and A is is because of sort of the martial arts nerddom that he has and just watching him grow and expand each fight, right? Because a lot of the questions that people had coming into this matchup was like, okay, Vittori is a big, strong guy. 
No, he's not a weight class up like we saw with Blahovich, but he's a big, strong guy. He's a great wrestler. How's Izzy going to fare against that? And we did see a lot of that defense. And I think what impresses me about Izzy, besides, you know, yeah, we had one Romero fight that was a little lackluster, but we do see evolution in his game. We do see sparks of greatness, things that if he continues on this path, he will be in GOAT conversations. You know what I mean? And I find... A lot of the things about him that are intriguing are that martial arts nerd, that ability to, to take from each experience, grow and expand. And I find that really interesting about him. I like the Whitaker fight because we haven't seen him really, 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 really challenged since that uh, Kel Kevin Kelvin Gaston fight, right? Where we were super excited, where Izzy was in danger. And the narrative is there because Whitaker is no longer sort of the gatekeeper until who's next for Izzy. He's now the guy who is next for Izzy. And before he was knocking him off, he knocked Till out of that uh, conversation when we were kind of excited about, you know, about Till. Till even hasn't even fought in a year. So it, it's it's interesting, I think, it does create more of a narrative. You do get to see, okay, Izzy belongs in this division. He looks good here. This is where he can pull off the best defense, you know, against good wrestlers. But like anything, the name is style bender. Eventually for every fighter, there is a style that becomes more difficult. Who's going to put him on the back foot? Who's going to pressure him? Who's going to have that explosive wrestling that he can't counter and figure out? I, I felt that, at points, Vittori was very one-dimensional, and that is basically what won Izzy the fight, too, was that he was able to figure him out and continue to play the game. It wasn't broke, no need to fix it, and that's what won him the fight. And I also think that's what makes him a good martial artist. Yeah, I think part of Adesanya's performance was that I think he expected Marvin Vittori to be much more angry. Like, we were looking for angry Marvin Vittori, and... He was able to stay somewhat composed. I think we were all hoping for that tornado of destruction that just didn't appear in this fight. And Adesanya just kind of like had to change game plans sort of mid-fight, and the fight ended the way that it ended. But he gets on the microphone. He calls out Robert Whitaker. Great promo afterwards. And obviously, that is the fight to make. And I know we've discussed this on the show before, actually before the Vittori fight was made, but we just saw Izzy bounce back from his first pro loss. He looked pretty darn good in there. So my question is, Phoenix, I know Jed kind of touched on this. I'll have him elaborate a little bit more. But did seeing Adesanya's performance on Saturday make you feel like Robert Whitaker has more of a chance in this fight than maybe you thought he would? I think what I love about Robert Whitaker is the same thing that I love about Israel Adesanya is sort of evolution and these things about martial arts that make us interested in not just storylines, but in fighters and what they can do. We had enough of a storyline with Whitaker with, you know, him needing a break. And scientifically, it's very, very true that you your adrenaline sort of runs out at a certain point. You gotta, your body gets filled with inflammation. You lose passion and drive because you, you, you're on low-grade recovery mode and you keep pushing yourself. So now if he's fully recovered, it, you know, he's that martial artist. He likes to figure things out too. He does a lot of his talking in the cage. I think we could find that those glimpses of what we liked about the, the Kelvin Gastelum fight right? Is that somebody who's going to fight him and who's really going to try to win and someone who does adjust, someone who does adjust. And I just think about Whitaker and Romero and, and how impressive he was to me there and how dangerous Romero was at the, at that time. And um, I'm still interested because, you know, who doesn't love, I love Bobby Knuckles. So, so it's a good matchup either way. 
Yeah, I love the fight. This is the only fight to make at this point. So, Jed, you had an answer before the Vittori fight was booked. It was after Whitaker's win over Kelvin Gastelum. After watching Adesanya, do you feel like Whitaker has more of a chance than you did, you know, a couple months ago when when you were up against Drake Riggs on the show? Who's that? Drake Riggs? I don't recall that person. Um, and no, I don't. Like, I, I agree. It's a fight to make. It's a good fight. Uh, I, I think... Bobby Knuckles has a chance, but it's – I think it's pretty low if we're being honest. Like it's stylistically a, a tough road to hoe for him. Uh, the the ability for Adesanya to maintain distance – like Whitaker really makes a lot of hay in his distance management, and Adesanya is just straight up better at that. And so that's really – like that as, as the starting point is difficult. I mean – I think we're going to see a better fight, a longer fight, a more competitive bout where Whitaker will get to do some things because he is not going to come in. And with honestly, their first fight was like one of the worst fights Robert Whitaker's ever had. Like he, that, he just had a perplexingly bad game plan uh, and ran himself on the counter shots over and over until he was unconscious. We're not going to see that. We will probably see him mix his wrestling a little more and maybe try some other things. I, I just think it's it's a really uphill fight for him if Adesanya is turned on at all. So, you know, I I don't think that he has a better chance than I thought he had a couple of weeks ago. That that chance remains about the same. It's there. He is not a, a zero sum to, to get it done. But I would be pretty surprised if Adesanya, you know, wasn't at least able to outpoint him over five rounds if Whitaker comes with a little more cautious of a game plan. Uh, or, you know, we know that Adesanya has the ability to knock Robert Whitaker out. Uh, and so that's still on the table as well. I, I just don't see a great path to victory for Whitaker other than fighting the perfect fight. And I, I don't see that happening because the man lost. I know Phoenix said, you know, she's impressed by it. Man lost twice to Yoel Romero. He's like the third best middleweight in the world. We just, we just forget about Yoel and how great he is because he's the uncrowned champion. He beat Izzy too, but that's fine. He's in Bellator now. <laughs> he is. He is. And uh, last thing on this, because every show you listen to, everyone's talking about, you know, the hunt for Anderson Silva's middleweight goat status. We're not going to talk about that here because one thing I found very interesting in the build to this fight and the aftermath of this fight is there's one name that usually gets attached to Israel Adesanya that wasn't mentioned at all in the build and the aftermath of this fight, and that is John Jones, who is on his way up to heavyweight. And from speaking with one of his coaches, Brandon Gibson, last week, it doesn't seem like that's going to be changing anytime soon. It seems like John's going to keep building his body. He's sticking up there. So, Jed, can we officially say that this fight between Jones and Adesanya, this quote-unquote dream fight, this is no longer a thing. We're never going to see it. It's never going to happen. Yeah, that's gone, man. That was that was gone the minute Yanni Blocko did the damn thing. <laughs> like that, that dropped off the face of the earth. And I feel a little dumb because there was a time when I actually thought that maybe Izzy could – could have had something for John. Uh, I do not believe that is the case um, anymore after watching that fight, even though I don't think John's nearly as good as he was at his peak. Uh, one takedown and that that's ball game there. So yeah, that fight's over. And uh, we really need to put all of our, our hope eggs or crystal power or whatever it is into the John gets decides that he wants to fight for less than he wants to fight for because I was going to say that he gets a good deal, but we know John's not getting a good deal. He's not going to get paid what he deserves, 
We just need to hope that he accepts less money than he deserves so we can watch John versus Ngannou because that's the fight. What do you say, Phoenix? Is the dream over? Adesanya Jones? We're just never – are we even going to ever talk about this again or is this the last time it's ever going to be spoken about? Uh, I don't think it's happening unless like Izzy pulls a John and takes a year and a half off to gain weight. There's three reasons you know, why I don't think Izzy can pull it off and it really just has to do with biomechanics. John's range, John's strength, John's takedowns. It, it, they're just not the same weight class, and especially now with John going up. If they were equal in size and they were both in the same weight division, I would say like maybe Izzy has a chance because he has more diversity in his striking at this point. Uh, you know, and John is kind of plated in this on the safer side as of late. But you know, I don't know what he's going to do at heavyweight. I just think unless Izzy decides to like gain that muscle and build it and change which which might change him so there's plenty of fights fantasy fights that we've had in our love of mma like we we used to fantasize about saint pierre and anderson silva lots of things never materialized so i wouldn't be upset yeah, let's I just hope thing. jones and ganu let's just hope jones and ganu is not on that list no. what Jed? That's I mean, it probably is. it probably is. But quick question, just to ask both of you, because I have a very clear thought on this. Uh, let's say that Habib fought Israel Adesanya. Who do you who do you take to win that fight? Oh man, because <laughs> I'm taking Habib like, and it's not even close. I think Habib wrecks him straight up. <laughs> like I think that's a bad fight for Izzy. I've thought that for years, and I really feel it after watching Saturday. I think I have to devote some time to this. Have you like around around the same weight as Izzy does? That's interesting. It's just range striking, you know, just you just can't get taken down. And I don't know. I don't know. I don't have a clear answer. Isn't that wild, though, that like nobody (laughs) is super confident that the middleweight champ would have beaten the lightweight champ? That's pretty insane. (laughs) That is pretty insane. Yeah. Well, that was the main event. It was a good moment for Israel Adesanya, but it pales in comparison to what happened in the co-main event in terms of memorable moments. We will discuss that next. But the point for round one goes to... I'm, I'm, I'm going to explain this because this is a Phoenix round until Jed asked the crazy question that blew my mind. And so with that said, Jed is on the board one to nothing. I, I get it. I understand. <laughs> <laughs> the end of the round takedown right there. Just, just got to secure you, it. You were, like, you were like Nate Diaz. <laughs> <laughs> you, were like, you were like Nate Diaz, who we'll talk about in a, in, in a few moments, but The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down, and new customers to DraftKings can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We move ahead to the brand new flyweight champion of the world, Brandon Moreno. He goes out there in the rematch from one of the fights of the year last year. Dominates Davis and Figueredo from the opening second of the fight. Submits him in the third round. And what a moment it was. The crowd in Arizona goes absolutely insane. And it's always nice to see one of the really good guys in the sport accomplish his goals, accomplish his dreams. And that was a moment, honestly, that I'm never going to forget. So, Phoenix, we will begin with you. What was your reaction to Brandon Moreno going out there, upsetting Figgy and becoming the flyweight champion? I'm going to take my media hat off for this, okay? And just talk as a fan. I cried. I, I like, definitely cried, especially with his, his speech at the end. These are moments in sports as a fan that stick with you. You know, you remember watching this. You remember watching somebody won. And I think it, it definitely affected me in, in a way because – I had seen him after he had gotten cut from the UFC and he came into the LFA and he had won the LFA championship. And I was talking to him backstage. I'm like, you know, cut from the UFC and now they're going to cut that division. Uh, you know, what are you going to do? And he just had this look like, I don't know, but he was very determined. Like he knew he was going to be a champion somewhere. He knew that there was no quit in him to stop fighting. He was training like a beast, you know, even though it was the LFA, he, he was figuring that in a way maybe this would get his way back. So I had watched this person at the brink of that, then get there and then accomplish this thing. And it was just like this great moment. Like Charles Oliveira had that moment too, like jumping on, on, you know, top of the cage and just the crowd reacting to him. These are those great moments in sports. I forget the quote exactly is sometimes you read the news to see man's fault, but you read the sports page to see man's victories. And I always found that really interesting. And it was just a, gr- a great moment, especially what he said towards the end. And I know that, you know, we can talk about the, the weight cutting with Fig and all that stuff. But just to forget that for a second and just look at the evolution of this guy's career and that never give up attitude. Like ESPN had played an old clip of him. I may not be champion now, but I will be someday. So I just think that's a great manifestation. And, um, it was really inspiring. Jed, what do you think? I, I felt like even before the fight, if we're talking about like stocks rising in the UFC, Moreno stock just continued to rise from the press conference, you know, getting shoved and just like his overall demeanor, his confidence, his swag all week. This man just felt like he, like whatever happened on Saturday, like he knew this was going to happen. He was ready for it. And 
it all came together. He wins the fight. He just soaks it all in with his hands on his hips. And then he just sort of reacts to it all. It all hits him at the same time. But just seeing him go out there and dominate Davis and Figueredo, what was your reaction to, to the performance and him becoming the champion of the world? I mean, how do you not love the story? It's, it's everything Phoenix said, right? I mean, this is a dude who's had a super interesting career. You know, uh, how, what did he like last picked on tough or something super low? Didn't didn't really amount much there, but comes in off a of tough. Taps Luis Smolka, who was like a, I think a top ten dude at the time, and okay, maybe we need to watch out for him. Two puzzling losses and uh, got cut when he shouldn't have. Obviously, like that was just part of the hey, we're low key trying to burn this division to the ground because we don't like fun. Uh, and now this, <laughs> like he, because I mean, let's be honest, he lost in December, like. He, he didn't. He, he got the draw because of the point deduction. But, like, that was a pretty clear Moreno uh, law, maybe won two rounds. Like, I think it's Figgy either won four or three rounds, depending on kind of how you view it. And so Moreno lost that fight. And coming into this fight, there was no good reason to think anything was different. Like, yeah, he came in real short notice in December. But that it wasn't a huge turnaround here. And it just seemed, all right, well – this is going to be the continued reign for Davison Figueredo, you know, 19 and one or whatever gaudy record he has. And the guy, he's the dude that the UFC wanted to push. And then Brandon Moreno called a shot, man. He said all week too. He's like, yeah, uh, the first fight, I didn't have enough time. Uh, I now know that I can get punched in the face by this dude and it's not going to like blow me up. And that's what he did. Like he, he took some shots. He, he got into brawls when he needed to. He fought a like a no perfect fight. It was an unbelievable performance from him. And then, yeah, watching him at the end when he's just kind of staring down at the belt, like he can't actually believe that this happened, even though he clearly believed it was going to happen the whole time. Like that's some moving shit, man. It's insane to think that this division was almost extinct a couple of years ago, and it's insane to really think about some of the things we would have missed on with like Cejudo and everything that he became and then Figueredo given the division an even bigger boost after you know Cejudo vacated the title we had the fight of the year contender and then what what Jed what they all right so if the division actually goes away TJ Dillashaw might still be your freaking bantamweight champion like straight up yeah like, we're rabbit holing in a in, in a big wild. way it is all this happening we we would have missed out on the fight, the first fight between Moreno and Figueredo, and then this moment with Moreno on Saturday winning the belt. So it kind of leads me to this, Jed. What do we do next? Because Figueredo, as you've said many times on the show, he has done a lot for this division. And like you said, if the point deduction didn't happen in the first fight, and let's also talk about one judge scoring the fifth round for Brandon Moreno. And if that judge scored the fight, like every single other person watching that fight scored it and gave the fifth round to Figueredo, the rematch doesn't even happen. So we saw what happened on the scale Friday, as Phoenix sort of alluded to. And would that fight have gone any different with the healthy cut? I don't really know. But do they run this one back, Jed? Or since it appears Askar Askarov's fighting Alex Perez on July 31st, does Moreno get the winner of that? Does, Does Figgy move up to 35? Like, what do you think is the next move for Moreno, for Figueredo, for this division? So I think what they're going to do and probably what is correct is the winner of Askar Askarov, Alex Perez. Uh, 
I mean, honestly, that was a straight up ass kicking. And even when in like a split situation, like we sort of have in this one, like I just never have loved immediate rematches. Like in this instance, like let Figueredo get a win, except for he doesn't need to get a win because I think he is maybe coming to the realization that everybody else knew uh, that he just needs to be a one thirty fiver. Honestly, his game is pretty well suited to that division. Sure, that division is filled with an absolute murderer's row of human beings, but he he can't reasonably make the weight. He's missed it several times. Even when he makes it, it looks like he is at the point of death. So he just needs to move to 135. We need to put, again, all our hope eggs into the Davidson Figueredo, Cody Garbrandt, chucking hands at each other until Cody Garbrandt goes boom. Uh, and we can just go back to let Brandon Moreno build a legacy outside of Davidson Figueredo. The only problem with that is that if Asker Askarov beats Alex Perez and then beats Brandon Moreno, we're going to be right back to the let's kill this division because ain't nobody give two shits about that dude being the champion. So it is a bit risky, but I think that that's probably just the move you make anyway. What do you think, Phoenix? Because there's another name that we haven't mentioned who is fighting on August 21st who has a very long history with Brandon Moreno. His name is Alexander Prantoja, who's fighting Brandon Royval on August 21st. So he is a big-time player in this conversation as well because of the history those two guys have. And he's on a nice little run right now. He's coming off the win over Menel Cape. I know he's kind of flip-flopped his last four fights, but is he a player too? Where do you think Moreno goes after that big win on Saturday? Well, I have to agree with Jed in the fact that I, there's there's only a few instances where I like rematches. It, a rematch is great when that person has worked their way back to you, okay? Like with the Whitaker situation, uh, that that person and you had some type of controversy in in the fight, or it, it was close. Those those are the times I need rematches. Immediate rematches in this particular case, not so much. Plus, if I'm doing business, I want to really let this ro- uh, I really let this Moreno thing ride for a little bit. If I could do something crazy like a super fight in Mexico with with a Cejudo, that would be awesome. But who knows if that's even a possibility? I like the Roval versus Pantoja situation because I think it's a little early for Roy Val to, to get up there, even though I, I love him and I remember him from the LFA, that's definitely an opportunity. I know that, you know, nobody's really excited about Oscar, but like he, he's, he's there as well. And then Pantoja has a story. It has a story as a history that fits that rematch scenario that we were talking about. So anyway, you look at it, there's a couple of things that could mix up, but selfishly, I just, I want a little bit more of him. I, w- I want to see more of that personality, that that star power, uh, and and let it build. Yeah, th- I see people commenting that Askarov should have just gotten the title shot. From what I understand, that fight between Askarov and Perez has been discussed for a while now, even before the title fight happened. So this looked like the direction they were going to go regardless. So it is what it is. There's some options. If he can somehow will Cejudo back, that'd be a massive fight, especially if they could do it in Mexico. But it seems like Moreno is going to take some time, enjoy the win, maybe fight again at the end of the year. Maybe not. We'll see what happens. But uh, if you did miss it after the show, go back through the YouTube page. Spoke to Brandon for nearly 30 minutes. It's just great stuff. And if you're having a rough day, Brandon, Brandon Moreno's attitude will just, will just put you in a, 
in a great space and put a smile on your face. So go check that out. But we move ahead to the first of three scheduled five-rounders at UFC 263 this past Saturday. The point for round two goes to... Phoenix Carnivale has tied it up. It's one-to-one. That was a good round. As we move ahead to another massive story that has come out of this event, in the welterweight division, we saw Leon Edwards take on the returning Nathan Diaz at UFC 263, a five-rounder, and for the first 23 or so minutes of this fight, Leon Edwards looked like the guy who was the biggest favorite on the card. He was dominating Nate, slicing him up. This is one-way traffic until it wasn't. Nate lands his big combination. Edwards is in big, big trouble. He's on wobbly legs. Clearly the most emphatic moment of the fight, but Edwards survives it. And let me just say this. Let me just say this because Nate is getting a lot of credit for that moment, as he should. But I want to give a lot of credit to Leon Edwards as well because most people in this situation, when they fight Nate Diaz or in general when you get rocked like that at the end of a fight, you shoot in for a desperation takedown, which usually leads to very, very bad things happening when you fight Nate. Leon didn't do that. He survives, wins the fight. So, Jed, we're going to begin with you once again. It's clear that Leon Edwards did not earn himself a title shot. He didn't jump Colby Covington in this situation. And frankly... I didn't think the chances were very good that he would unless he'd knock Nate out in the first minute of the fight. But do you buy into this narrative that Nate Diaz's stock rose more than Leon Edwards's because of those last two minutes of the fight? A hundred percent. And it should. I give Leon no credit at all. Like He had everything there, man. Like It was all in front of him. I'd straight up think if he wins that fight and doesn't have that last minute, even with a somewhat tepid decision like that was, he still just is going to get the title fight because as much as Dana White wants to say Colby's our the guy or whatever, Dana White has a history of telling Colby Covington to F off, and Kamar Usman would have just come out and been like, all right, yeah, Leon's the dude. Like Leon deserves the fight. I would like to fight him, and they're just going to go with that. Like he had the opportunity and he found the one way to win, but still screw himself over. Like that is a tough window to hit. And he threaded the needle perfectly. Nate Diaz deserves all the credit in the world. One, because I had such little expectations for him to do anything. Don't get me wrong. I did not enjoy most of this fight. It was pretty awful. Um, unless you like really like Nate Diaz showing his ass or whatever, but like I don't care about that. I'd prefer to see Nate Diaz like try and fight somebody because when he did that, he almost knocked Leon Edwards the f out. So like Nate doesn't get a lot of credit, but then he saves it all at the end because he put you know whatever you think of Leon Edwards, and I think it's pretty clear my opinion is that he is a very competent fighter who is probably higher ranked than he really is in truth. Uh, like Nate Diaz took a straight up top five, top three welterweight and damn near did the damn thing despite, you know, having a two year layoff and not really being a welterweight and a whole lot of other caveats that came with him. So yeah, that was awesome from him. And frankly, like if that didn't happen, the card was not doing super hot at that point. Like you're coming off the Bilal Muhammad, like, no disrespect, that is a good win, but Damian Maya doesn't doesn't make anybody look good ever. And then Leon spent 20 minutes like 
not finishing Nate when he could have tried to do more. So Nate doing that saved the middle of the card and really served as a great setup for the two title fights, which were, were mostly great. What do you think, Phoenix? Does, does Leon's stock rise at all in your mind? Like, I feel it's it rises a little, one, because he got the win, and two, because, and they mentioned it, and, and you could tell in the broadcast that, you know, Rogan and Felder were doing everything they could to, like, let people know who Leon Edwards was and how good he was and the streak he's been on, because no one really knows who he is for some reason. And he got sort of the Nate rub, but do you feel like his stock rose at all? I think it really depends on who you ask, because I've thought a lot about this. I was talking to my friends who are really into MMA out in the UK, and they love Leon Edwards. And they've been missing him and wanting him to, to come back. And they were giving him that that credit, which I which I understand this. They were it was reminiscent of when uh, GSP almost got knocked out by Carlos Condit and like kept his faculties and stayed in the fight. And, and I, I really thought that was kind of interesting. And I was like, wow, you know, they're UK fans. They have a much bigger respect for Leon Edwards, right? That's their countrymen. We're here in the US. Nate Diaz is like when you watch a movie and there's that funny stoner comic relief that you love that always steals the show. That's who he is. He's still exciting. We still want to see him in money fights. Is he going to wind up going for a championship? No. But you put him with the right type of matchup and you're like, yay, Nate Diaz. So it's 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 almost like a like a taste thing. You know, if you like more refined meal, then you know that you're gonna like Leon Edwards. If you're like, hey, I want hot dogs and french fries and we're at the ballpark and we're stoners and you're going for that Nate Diaz because you're going to be thoroughly entertained you know even you know the way that he speaks okay fine but he actually says some really intelligent stuff there's a lot of things you can do with Nate Diaz that people will still want to see and of course if somebody's losing and out of nowhere they have a glimpse of hope to win where they're the underdog you're going to get behind that no matter who you are so his stock, Diaz's stock definitely rose. Now you're like, oh, let's put him against a Ferguson or maybe the Connor rematch. So we're talking about all the things to do with him. Unfortunately, we haven't fallen in love with Leon Edwards because he's not hilarious. You know, yes, he's talented, but it's not something out of the ordinary. Like he just throws a flying sidekick out of nowhere that you're just going to be like, oh, crazy highlight reel. It's just he's good. He's good and he's steady. So it really just kind of depends on who you ask. He's going to get there, though, because he's proven himself to continue to keep winning. So he's going to get there no matter what. Jed, when I asked that question, you were laughing. Why? Because uh, you said for some reason people don't know Leon Edwards. Like, because why should you? <laughs> like, if you're not deep in the game, like, you're not going to know this dude. Look at what's his best win. Mike, please tell me what his best win is because he's got a lot of good names, but none of them are good wins. Like they're not. Oh, Dan, like he, you can't put together a Leon Edwards highlight reel. It does not exist. Like, so why is everyone going to know him? Like, I remember when he took a split decision over Gunnar Nelson. That's a hard fought, good win. Sweet. Like, that's it. Like, that's just this man. I, I disagree with Phoenix. I don't think he's talented at all. I think he works his ass off and has built a composite, like a game that works well together. But like he's he's like if you took all the athleticism and power and and finishing ability of Tyron Woodley 
and just removed it from Tyra. Like that's where you get Leon Edwards. Like he's very defensively sound and he is technically proficient, but he is not super threatening. He is going to go to decision and he's got hella cardio. So that's great. But like, that's you don't build a brand off that. And the thing sucks. He's got the dope Birmingham accent. Like if he was a more interesting person, he could also just like make it work because there are people who are not super fun fighters, but figure it out. Like Floyd Mayweather sucks to watch unless you are really, really into like super technical stuff for boxing, but he has a persona and people kind of work with it. Like, Leon could do something. The Birmingham accident alone should get him fans, and nobody outside of his family cares about him. And I'm just saying that's on him, not on anybody else. Okay, all right. Well, just I'll just say this: if you put him against a Masvidal with the beef that they had, and they start going at each other in like a press conference, I mean, you don't think that would make it a little bit more fun if he had a matchup that that fans found more exciting? I don't know. Nate Diaz is pretty good at making things fun and still it wasn't suit like that exciting. Yes, that's a better choice than like, I don't know who Neil Magny would be like the worst fight that's ever been created. But like, so yeah, you're doing better in that regard because Masvidal is going to get a reaction. And maybe because he hates Masvidal, he might like try to throw more than tepid offense. But otherwise, like he's probably just going to wrestle Masvidal to a bad five round split decision and then everyone's gonna hate him like that's he's just some people this is just their lot in life and and unless leon makes like a big career pivot this is just who he is and and it's okay it is okay to just be one of the best fighters in your division like but you're gonna play hell getting a title shot that way so you don't feel jed that he gets the winner of Usman Covington if that fight. Like, who else is there? Like, who else is the guy? Like, it's if, a, it's kind of he's kind of an interesting spot because Burns, he gets it. If Wonder Boy beats Gilbert Burns coming up, he gets the next title shot, and he damn sure deserves it. Frankly, over Leon at that point. Like, if if Burns wins, then maybe like maybe he just slides in there. But I honestly, they may just make him fight one more. Like, it might be like, hey man, you. Your last two fights, he would have been better served just not fighting Bilal Muhammad and Nate Diaz at this point. Like just, hey, you have an eight-fight win streak. Hope that gets you there. Instead, his last two fights are a no contest that arguably should have just been DQ'd out. And then that Nate Diaz thing. Like he's he is going down right now from his Q rating. So he may end up having to fight like Gilbert Burns if Burns beats Thompson. Uh, and if not, he may just have to take another one because that's it's, I just don't see them throwing him a title shot now. What do you think Phoenix? Like, is he next? Like not Colby next, but like after that, like he could sit and wait and maybe he does get that shot or he can risk it all and take another fight. I don't know if he's going to get the Mazadal fight. I think that's if he's gonna, if they offer him that, and Mazadal's in, I think it's a no-brainer. You take that fight because there again, you get more eyeballs on you. But should he just wait and hope that he gets a title shot, or does he need another fight against you know Mazadal, or even if he wants to fight in London, just to fight in front of his home crowd, he at least gets another fight, in and he's not waiting another year to fight. That's a conversation he's going to have with his manager. Do I want to make myself more popular before I go for a title, so I can get more money out of the situation? Yes. Okay. You should fight Masvidal. 
Uh, do I want to do this in England? When's that going to happen? When can we go there? Okay, I'll wait. Do I have a couple student loans and some kids to pay for? Okay, let's fight right now. Like, it's really going to be that conversation that you have with your manager based off of your career goals. Because let's face it, this is also a career for them. This is how they pay their bills the majority of the time. So it it's, it's, has to be a lot about that. So for like example, let's say he wants to wait for, for you know, whoever wins Us, uh, Usman Covington and then one of them get hurt and they're out six months, a year or something like that again. Right? So you're going to have to make that decision of what you want to do next because fighters have to fight. We know that, that ring rust is a real thing for certain people. And staying active is really important. And not being active in the first place is what made his stock drop, in, you know, to begin with and made him less popular. Not to his fault or anything. There was like, you know, a pandemic. But it, it really just kind of depends. You sit down with your manager. You discuss your career goals and what you want to do with yourself, your popularity, what you can demand, what you can't demand. Because we know that a lot of these things, especially with combat sports, is a popularity contest. It's not like you're the Mets versus the Yankees where you kind of work in to each other. This is what happens. If something amazing happens that makes somebody else the next contender, that's the way it goes. Yeah. Okay. I hold on. Hold on, Jed. Hold 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 on one second. That that was that was a very professional answer. But I'm gonna I'm gonna extend it a little more for you, Phoenix. What if you were his manager? You are now Leon Edwards's manager. What are you advising him to do? You know, listen. I'd say, is this all about your heart that you want to be champion, or do you want to be a fighter that people remember, fall in love with? Because there's plenty of people that we're in love with that'll never be champions that that get money fights. Nate Diaz, for example, right? And this one didn't do it for you. So I think you'd fight Masvidal, and you and you make yourself more popular and you get out there. But if you're the type of fighter who doesn't care about that, who just wants to be champion because that's what you need to prove to yourself, that's what you are. You're there's athletes, there's entertainers, there's entertainer athletes like. Adesanya is an entertainer and an athlete. It doesn't mean that he's less of an athlete. It just means that the, the limelight, the spotlight's his thing. And he works that well as a champion. So if Edwards is like, I don't care about any of that. I just want to be champion. He waits it out. That, that's just how it looks to me. What were you going to say, Jed? He can't wait it out. Like, he just... Tom, if Thompson beats Burns, he's going to jump him. And we also we nobody mentioned Luca Chiesa. Aside from that fight being fire, yes. hot, hot fire, the winner of that, like whoever wins that, is probably going to win it impressively. Like that's not going to be like Luca is going to take his head off, or Chiesa is going to tap Luca. And if Chiesa taps Luca, that's four or five in a row at welterweight. Like he's jumping Edwards too. Like he just has to fight again. So if I'm his manager, be like, hey man. It'd have been a lot cooler if you hadn't jacked up the whole program at the end of the Nate fight. Uh, but that's a room we can't live in anymore. So you need to try and pick a fight with Ori Mosfidal because it is not a guarantee that Mosfidal takes that fight. Mas- like that's again the same like high risk, low reward fight for Mosfidal. Like Leon might straight up be in a position where he just has to fight Bilal Muhammad again. <laughs> like that's. That is on the table for him if he doesn't get real mouthy real quick and stir up some interest and make things happen for him. He's got to fight again, though. All right. I, I wasn't going to mention this, but I'm going to do it now just because we're, 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 we're 
getting getting fiery here. We we have opinions on this. So I want to flip the page to Nate Diaz for a minute because I said something on on to the next one with AK, and I wanted to get your reactions to this because look, Nate is a star. He creates buzz. He's kind of always in a win-win situation. He doesn't need to win. His stock will always rise. And Leon still, no matter how you felt, got the rub. And I know Jose is commenting like crazy, mostly on Jed's hair. But Leon still (laughs) got the rub no matter what because he fought Nate and he was in there for five rounds and he won. So my take was, although he's not the best fighter in the UFC, he is far from the best fighter in the UFC. I thought that Nate Diaz is the most valuable fighter on the roster because of what I just said about Nate's stock always rising no matter what, but he is able to put over and give shine to literally anybody he fights. He makes good money, but he's not making Connor money. He's not even making Mazadal money at this point. So the amount of eyeballs that this guy generates is worth his pay, and he boosts the stock of himself and anybody around him. Am I nuts, Phoenix, for thinking that Nate Diaz is the most valuable fighter on the roster? I wouldn't say the most valuable, but I would say he's a superstar. I would, I, you know, I would say he's up there. I, just like I said, he he steals the show. He's entertaining. The thing about I think the three fighters on on two sixty three. Um, I don't even know where we are anymore. That make <laughs> that everybody's in love with them is they're legit themselves. Adesanya is himself. Brendan Moreno is himself. He's sincere. Nate Diaz is the most, this is who the F I M person, right? This is what we love them. So I think a lot of this, like being sincere, saying what, whatever the hell's in your mind, lighten up and smoking in the, he's the Snoop dog of the UFC. Okay. Like even if he's got an album and there's one hot song in it, you playing that song to death. That that's who he is. He is he's valuable because he is sincere. He's uniquely his own. He's hilarious, and he's a hell of a good fighter. Okay, like like they brought up the idea of Damian Maya. Now that doesn't get me going for a UFC event, but it does. Like in a at like a grappler's quest or you know a high rollers. Hell yeah, I want to see that fight. And then like Tony Ferguson style versus style against Nate Diaz. Yeah, I want to see that fight. So he's not going to get to the top for the title, but he's going to be entertaining depending on who you put him with when it comes to styles. So he's a star. He's a superstar. Even Nick, like how long are we going to keep talking about Nick? We keep talking (laughs) about Nick for years, you know, but we just can't let these guys go because of those hot albums they've had. And we keep playing them songs over and over again because they're catchy and they're fun. Where do you put Nate's value, Jed? I, I just, I, and I'm not saying like, I'm not saying he's like the best fighter. He's like I said, he's far from it. He's not the MVP of the UFC, but in terms of like value, what he brings to the table, he gets paid a good amount of money, but he's not the highest paid. He's far from being the highest paid. What he gives to everybody that he's around, the guys he fights, is he the most valuable fighter on the roster? Like when he fights, anyways. No, it's Connor. It it's always been Connor. It's like, it's just, that's just not even close. Like he's up there. Nate is, I don't know, probably second or third. I'd venture to say in that. Uh, but Connor, aside from Connor generating, like, I know he gets paid a lot. He also like generates way more money than anybody else. And so they're still coming out plus in that, in that particular calculus. But Connor is, he is a kingmaker. Like 
you beat Conor McGregor, you are you're somebody because when you beat Conor McGregor, you beat him impressively. When you beat Nate Diaz, you kind of look like shit afterwards, which Leon Edwards just found out. Like he is a hard dude to look good against because even if you are looking good technically, it's not like something that a casual person is like, oh well. Yeah, that guy really got worked. Like when Connor loses, it is spectacular when he goes down. <laughs> and, and like, I mean, Dustin Poirier knocked him out, and now Dustin Poirier is he's he's a huge thing. Habib just beat the brakes off him, and he became you know probably the second biggest star in the sport behind Connor. Like Connor's value is not just the money he brings, which is more than Nate. He it is the money he brings when he loses because he boosts somebody up so so grandly. So no, it's Connor all day. But yeah, Nate is is right on up there. And because I know we're about to move on to the next question, and I just want this to be thrown out there. The the very clear thing that you do with Nate is, and you know my view on Nick Diaz and how he's never gonna fight again. You do <laughs> Nick and Nate Diaz versus the Paul brothers in a boxing match, and you sell four million pay-per-views somebody make that happen i will buy it six times like a two-on-two no just you know main main event coming i mean two-on-two would be great but come on that's circus stuff they're not going to do that but main and co-main like that's a lot of money generated and we would all watch the hell out of that of course we would it'd be be the most intelligent press conference we've ever seen in our lives. How could, how could we miss it? It'd be wonderful. But what a wild scene it was. In- it would do a lot. Of, it would do a lot. And uh, I think everybody's website would do incredible traffic. But uh, a wild scene indeed in Glendale. Both men will move on to their next challenge. We shall move on to the final round of regulation. The point for round three goes to... Again, Jed with the, the the late surge gets it done, two to one. I, I studied Robbie Lawler a lot, like late career Lawler, when he no longer like had really the gas tank to go, but he would just do like spurts of violence at the beginning and end of rounds to really solidify it in the judges' minds. Nicely done, ruthless Jed Mashu, Jose Youngs. I don't even know how I can deal with these comments that keep flashing up to just get it better and better. But UFC gotten the work for me like six times. <laughs> oh man. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So, okay, we're moving on from UFC 263. It's a massive event, but there are a lot of other things that happen in MMA outside of 263. PFL had their event a week ago. They got an event going on right this second as we're, as we're speaking. They're back. I don't even know what's happening right now. Bellator 260 happened. We got a new welterweight champion, Yaroslav Amosov, defeats Douglas Lima. And Victor had their Phoenix Series tourney and a whole bunch more. So let me ask you, Phoenix Carnivale. We talked about Nate Diaz and his value. We're we're extending it to more of an MVP-type conversation. Who is the MVP of the week that was in MMA outside of UFC 263? Who is the best of the rest and why? 
I mean, it'd be hard for me not to bring up Clarissa Shields. And I also really was impressed with the trajectory of Aaron Pico. Um, but I'm going to, I'm going to give it to Clarissa because out of all these sort of transitions from boxing to MMA, you know, as somebody who, who studies the sport and, and, you know, studies the arts, it's, it was really cool to see her talk about the training for fighting and the transition from boxing to MMA. And then the honesty of her post-fight interview really was amazing to me. She had to come to this acceptance like, Clarissa, you might lose this fight. You could possibly lose this fight. But just having that no-quit attitude to get it done no matter what, especially after two rounds of reality, that, you know, this is new for you and this is really hard and training five times a day, you know, I thought that was exceptional. And also, too, that it's it's like leading up to this to this point where you know she's going to wind up with the, you know, Olympic judoka who's okay uh, Kayla Harrison who's had to go backwards she had to go from grappling to striking and now Clarissa has to go from sh- from striking to adding the grappling and not of just striking in general but I've seen plenty of boxers try to learn to kick and you're like oh you're gonna need a lot of practice with kicking you know <laughs> you know what I'm saying so there's just such such a variety in what you have to do in MMA and to pick it up as quickly as she is picking it up, we'll see what happens. I mean, I think it's going to take a lot of time, but you can kind of see where this is going, right? With these two people who came from individualized sports who are now trying to do MMA and are really kind of the starlets of the PFL because the PFL was pushing all of that promotion really hard. Uh, I, I liked it. I, I enjoyed myself. Yeah, I, th- I think if the PFL had their way, they would tr- put that trajectory on at some point, maybe in a couple of years. But I have a hard time believing they're going to be able to keep Kayla unless they can no. pay her just a ridiculous amount of money and give her some competition. I don't want to see those two near each other anytime soon. But yeah, what Kayla do you think, Jed? Put out. Yeah. What, what, what do you think, Jed? It was, I mean, Clarissa seems to be kind of the easy answer here. No offense, Phoenix. It just was. It just yeah. was. But what do you think? Like, is it her or is it somebody else? Well, first, I'd just like to say that I'm so disappointed that Phoenix had – she had the the Invicta Phoenix Adam Wake tournament right right there on the table. Could have had it, just been like, why – how how could I not pick the, this this my namesake tournament? Uh, so really disappointed in that uh, because, shout out, that was probably less fun than I really wanted it to be, but it was still a hell of a good time. Like one-night tournaments, even with the unfortunate, you know, one-round starter – like it's it's still it's a condensed like linear narrative and I'm just always going to be here for that. Uh, you know, you you get a contender out of it at the end. So shouts to Invicta for that because that is always a good time. That's not going to be it for me, and it's not going to be Clarissa Shields, who I think everything Phoenix said is right. Like watching her overcome like serious adversity with I believe uh, like a legitimate BJJ brown belt. Like that's mm-hmm. pretty impressive given how short a time she's really been training MMA for her to come back and do the damn thing like that is it's tough to look good in your debut fight like basically nobody ever does unless it's just like a 10 second KO but she did you know she fought through tough spots so I I can see why people would think that or why the argument is there for Clarissa probably grabbed the most headlines 
I will also just quickly say Aaron Pico, phenomenal performance. But for me, the MVP of the weekend, I mean, how, how do you do anything other than Yaroslav uh, Amosov? Like, he he's 37-0 and 0 or whatever it is. He has the second longest <laughs> win streak in the history of the sport. Like, undefeated streak behind Habib Nurmagomedov. Anytime you beat a dude who I think most of us, when we were talking about last week, believe that uh, Douglas Lima is like one of, if not the best fighters outside of the UFC right now. Like he is certainly in the conversation on that short list. And I think we would all, everybody on this program right now would say that he's a top five welterweight in the world. And Yaroslav Amosov just dominated him. Like Douglas was not in that fight realistically at all. And to do that, on top of such a gaudy record that he already has to become the first major, uh, to first Ukrainian uh, champion for for a major MMA promotion, like that's that's just really impressive. And I, I for me, he he won the hardest fight of the weekend. Like that was a super close fight or a super close fight on paper. He made it look less so in the cage. He beat the best opponent. He you know did a whole lot of important things, and now he's. He's a whatever, like I said, thirty-seven and zero, undefeated welterweight champion. He, there's no chance in hell Michael Venom Page wants any of that wrestling business. So I don't know who he's going to fight next instead of MVP. Maybe it's Jason Jackson, who also looked good this past weekend. But he's he's a guy you can build around if you can just build that same sort of mystique that they did around Habib, and you can get him another you know big name guy to to tear down and just just grind out. So for me, it's Amosov. Because I want to reward excellence, and he is nothing if not excellent. Yeah, that was a wild scene at Mohegan. I was there, it was cage side, right near Douglas Lima's corner, and he almost pulled off the miracle armbar. That thing was close, super close to happening, but Amosov goes in there and, and fights out of it and wins, and wins the title. But Douglas Lima, from like rounds three and on, going back to his corner, it's very rare that you see a fighter like kind of lose a piece of himself in frustration. But Douglas Lima was just like, I can't do anything. Like once I'm down, I cannot get up. Like he, everything he tried, nothing worked. And it was uh, it was pretty crazy to watch. But I do want to touch a little bit further on Clarissa Shields because obviously, like you both said, debut is a massive story, tremendous learning experience for her. She's in big trouble the first two rounds. Then the come from behind finish in the third. She has a ton of work to do, but she knows that. She's got a very realistic approach to the game, but how big is her ceiling in MMA, Jed? Like, I feel like, you know, it obviously grabbed headlines. I feel like she's becoming a bit of a star in MMA this quickly, but like, do you think she could be like a mega star in MMA? Like, can she get to that point? Probably not. Um, not because of anything that is wrong with her. She is has charisma and clearly can fight like actually fight, not just box, which is a very different skill set. Uh, she, she has a lot of things and she could have a good ceiling in general, but she competes at a weight class that doesn't exist. Like that's, we just, we're being honest. Women's lightweight is, is not a division that's realistically supported anywhere with the depth of talent that you would need to, to do that. Like, you're hoping with her, basically her best case scenario is she can become like a Chris Cyborg and build a division around her. And even Chris Cyborg, who is a legitimate star in the sport, still has had trouble building 
building a division that frankly is more more buildable. So then you're just looking at shields dropping to uh, down to featherweight. If, if I have actually no idea how viable that is or not for her, uh, and doing so still, we we still come back to the thing like women's featherweight is just not a division that's super well supported anywhere. It should be, and God willing, maybe the UFC will like actually put some time into building that division. But thus far, nobody has done a great job of that, and I think that really caps what she can be because you don't become a star mostly on your own. Like she has all the accolades and backstory to do it. But you have to win competitive fights against other people that get people interested in. And there's just there's just not the bodies for that right now. Like Kayla Harrison, way down the line, maybe that's the fight that gets it done. But I think it's she's going to struggle to really become like a super household name in that regard. What do you think, Phoenix? She was clearly the star of the weekend outside of the UFC. But how big can that star get? Well, part of the reason she's the star of the weekend is because it's it's answering a lot of questions we have about crossover from boxing and combat sports and all that type of stuff and who she is in her own profession. The problem is that MMA is hard, okay? And no arguing with Jed there. He's 100% right. Not having viable opponents or bodies to, to work with is difficult. It reminds me of like Angela Hill in the beginning of her career where she had, to, she had to take a lot of lumps and she lost a lot in the beginning really to kind of build herself into a more complete fighter because Angela Hill and I came up at, at the same time in Muay Thai. I was a commentator and she had had like 13 fights. And then the ultimate fighter came up and she was like, oh my God, I need to have at least one fight to be able to apply for the ultimate fighter. So she took some fight like anywhere and then got into the house. And it was like, man, you know, a lot of the times you need to incubate, you need to have an amateur career, you need to develop within that amateur career and then jump to the big leagues. So very similar what happened to Angela. She lost a lot. She had to go back to Invictus. She did well. She came back to the UFC. She still had some losses. And now she's got her groove. And everybody at the UFC did that. So they allowed her to incubate. So that's probably what's going to happen here. Maybe she, you know, does some PFL stuff. Then Bellator takes her. She works there a little bit. Then she builds herself up. Maybe the UFC comes calling. You don't, you don't know. But it's it's just not going to be overnight. Um, I just think MMA is that hard and that division is not developed enough. I'm hopeful because I think she's the type of athlete that will go after it. And she's saying, you know, she's training five times a day. But uh, but yeah, just MMA is hard. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we have wrapped up regulation. We are running out of time. But the point for round four goes to. Phoenix pulled a Jed. She pulled a Jed. She pulled it out the last second. The timing of the crossover is really interesting. Didn't even really like even think about that, but here we are. And that means just like everybody wants, this title unification bout is going to the knockout round. One question will decide it all. In fact, I changed the question in my mind 20 seconds ago, but neither of these tremendous competitors have any idea what this question is going to be. They will each have 60 seconds to respond to said question. And once that is done with the help of our live studio audience, we will turn it over to the honorable, E. Casey Lydon. Oh, um, to render the fun. I'm sorry. Um, I have to interrupt real quick. This is, I'm um, sorry. This is Casey from the truck. Um, we just got a call. Um, someone called in and 
they have offered their judging services. So um, no, I brought, I brought I brought them in. So uh, are they ready? Okay, here we go. Okay. Happy birthday, AK. Oh, and, no. Oh, where are? Is it AK? Who is it? Wait. Who is it? Oh, who could it be? Wait, is, is it Jose? It's got to be Jose. Wait, why isn't this working? Hold on. <laughs> This reveal is is falling flat no, on no, its no, face. No, 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 no! Don't worry, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. Oh no! It's now gonna, we have. It's, it's gonna be now exciting. I'm gone. It's, it's gonna be exciting. <laughs> the little camera thing disappeared. Crap! <laughs> hold on. Oh. <laughs> hold on. Hold on. This is. I have no idea. Why does That's what this is. Oh no! You know what? Yeah. For you know those what? for those they're, watching, they're, you know what? Their the video isn't working, but I'm just gonna bring him in right now. Can you, can, you, can you chime in, Mystery Judge? What's going on? How you guys doing? Oh, oh Jed. Man. Oh, that Jed. Is, oh, the no. The oh, the turntables. <laughs> They're returning. Sean Alshadi, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> MMA Fighting Zone. Sean Alshadi. Back on Man. BTL in a different in a different variation that we wanted him, but he uh, but he is here. How are you, Sean? I'm doing great, Casey. Man, that that entrance really didn't uh, yeah, work well, out like we were expected. Yeah, you know. <laughs> but, I, but hey, they want to do this live. I can't edit this. Come on, man. I'm, 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 I'm working. I'm working on a on a Google like i like iBook or whatever. Come on, give me a break. <laughs> You're killing it. You're killing it anyway. I am. Uh, I am so happy to be here. You guys have been killing it all show. Uh, this is my first time here as guest judge, and oh my goodness, Jed, this isn't gonna be. This isn't gonna be good for you, my friend. I'm just gonna tell you right off the bat, uh, oh, Phoenix. I, I, I hope you're doing great that, today. I knew. I am. <laughs> well, now we have Sean here to render the final decision with the help from the studio audience. But Phoenix, you pull rank here. Do you want to answer this question first or do you want to turn it over to Jed? <sighs> I feel like, you know, he's got a very, very big record. So I'm going to let Jed do it first. So I can, you know, I can come back with the knockout. Oh, all right. I like the confidence. And uh, maybe you will be much more confident when you hear this question, because I don't think Jed's going to like this one very much. But uh, oh, good. we'll see what happens. Back <laughs> in the deck against me, guys. The hell? Did you also get Fight Circus canceled? So I'd be coming in here as this uh, I mean, listen, I, I, I think it's I think it's fair that we try to touch on all the happenings in our sport. And one thing we have not touched on yet is UFC Vegas 29 going down this Saturday at the Apex. The main event. Oh, there's Sean. He's taking over the whole damn screen now. He went from he went from being a no signal to the whole screen. All right, there we go. Okay, UFC Vegas 29 this Saturday. Good main event. We got the Korean Zombie versus Danny Gay and Jed. We know better than most that these pay-per-view hangovers are real, but we're going to try to remain positive as positive as we can. So it is your job for the next one minute, Jed Mishu, to sell us on this card. Why should people watch this event? Why should we do it? I know, if, and, and now that Fight Circus isn't on, this gives you more reasons to sell this thing. So one minute on the clock, your time starts now. 
You should watch this because what the hell else are you doing on Saturday night? Look, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to tell you that this is the best card I've ever put together. It is not. The main event, though, is sensational. So if you're not doing anything else, at least watch that. You don't have to. You can always come to MMAfighting.com and read you know, our live blogs and our recaps. But you should watch it anyway because there are some other fights here that are legitimately dope. Diego Lima versus Matt Brown is a banger. When has Matt Brown ever not entertained you? If you said he ever, ever left you wanting, you're a liar. And I'm calling you a liar right now, Sean Elshadi. He's the most exciting man that's ever put gloves on. He already has a win over Douglas Lima like 27 years ago. Who's way more not outable. That's a really fun fight. Runner John DeRoba, Kanako Murata. Like, that fight is either going to be super sick grappling, like really great exchanges on the ground, or they're both going to forget that and just kind of throw hands. And that'll be fun, too. It's a kind of fun card, so you should watch it. <laughs> ah, knockoutable was used in kind of fun card. So, I mean, th- this, is a, <laughs> this is a positive response from Jed Mishu as we turn it over to the undisputed BTL champion, Phoenix Carnivale. Same question for you. It is your job now for the next one minute to sell us on UFC Vegas 29, headlined by the Korean Zombie versus Danny Gay. One minute on the clock, and it starts now. Before we even get into who's on the card, you have to be a more well-rounded fight fan in general. It can't always be about the names because I worked for organizations that were like the conveyor belts into the UFC. And majority of the time, these were extremely hungry fighters. And we know you've seen Rocky three. You have to stay hungry. So those beginning fighters, those guys that are building those names always give us the best fights. Time and time again, cards that you didn't expect to be great have been great. Now let me get to the main event. Ige versus Korean Zombie. These are two fighters who obviously love to brawl. So even if you're just a casual fan and you don't need to know much, you could just watch a head-on collision because that is what that fight is going to be. We know that Ike really wants to get himself to the next. Is Korean Zombie on his way out? He's hard to beat. He's beatable, but he will keep coming at you, hence the clever name. All right. The music was intense. It was intense. Speaking of intense, we will uh, have your coverage for UFC Vegas 29 here on MMA Fighting. We'll have a live preview show tomorrow. I will not be around. I will explain later tomorrow. Uh, it's nothing bad. I'm just playing in a charity golf tournament. So there you go. There's your explanation. Uh, Saturday, we'll have your, your Q&A, your pre, the People's Pre-Fight Show, 30 minutes before kickoff time. And then we'll be back with the post-fight show. And we might be doing something a little bit different after the fact, too, because we got a crazy boxing match between Anderson Silva. And it's just, I don't even, it's just nuts. There's so much going on. about that all day I know. today? Probably. I thought that was going to be the last question. Me too. It was, but I changed my mind. But apparently there's more more desire for this fight than I anticipated. So maybe this idea that we're pondering could be a very good thing on Saturday. But uh, just keep it locked at MAFighting.com and you'll be happy for it. So now we turn it on over to the returning Sean Elshadi. Bang your gavel, my friend. Who wins? All right. So that was really that was a really competitive good round. I really liked both of those answers. Uh, I, coming into this, I have a very anti-Jed agenda. I'm just putting that out front. Uh, but then I was thinking about it and it was like, you know what? Last time I was on the show, I, I think both of you voted against me. Both of you. Did I? You you definitely did. 
You definitely did, Phoenix. So now, now all of a sudden, my anti-jet agenda has been wiped out. Those are both <laughs> tremendous answers, though. I do have to say, I think Phoenix sold me a little bit more. But Jed, that was still a great argument. But I have to say, the winner is... And still... Phoenix Carnavale! <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> wow. Thank you. But no, all jokes aside, like, I love those cards where they're not stacked cards because th- there's a lot of knockouts. I mean, that's usually the ratio of what happens. So we'll see. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, maybe I'm Phoenix just won with a Dana White answer. She just went full Dana White. <laughs> it's true. You better watch it, and then you just bought it. We make fun of Dana for that literally every time he does this. And I think it's more knockoutable. And I don't get to win all the time. That. And he'd be like, wow. it's a crappy card. It's a crappy card. And it would be like people I knew from the LFA. And I'd be like, okay, just wait, just wait. And it'd always be great. She has a great point. She has a great point. Jed, just let me just say right away, I had nothing to do with this. I found out about it before the show started, and uh, it is what it is. But Phoenix, 8-0 now. You are 8-0, still the undisputed champion. You have 30 seconds to talk about whatever it is you want to talk about, good, bad, and different in the sport of MMA. Um, I'm going to be watching PFL tonight because I love Rory McDonald, and you know he's got actual a little bit more competition this time around than he did uh, Curtis Millinder with uh, Gleason T-Bow, so we'll see. Um, and, uh, you know, follow me on all of the major things, like the Instagram and stuff. I've got a lot of combat sports stuff coming in the mix. Hopefully some good announcements to come in the next month or two. And, uh, you know, I work as a technical director for stuff in combat sports too, so if you ever want to work out with me, you can do that as well. A woman who wears many hats. Jed, I got to give you this time as well. What would you like to say to uh, to the people, maybe to the man just uh, right now to uh, to your right in the little in the little circular? What do you want to say yeah. to Mr. Al Shadi no, for that I'm decision? I'm going to look at Sean because this is supposed to be a happy week, the return of Sean Al Shadi. And then he just does this, just absolute nonsense. <laughs> he, he and Jose are still ducking <laughs> me and Sean for the, for the tag teamer. They they made a way to stamps and he he told you the deck is stacked. It was just as a rigged rigged outcome. He told you beforehand he wasn't gonna vote for me. Then he tried to pretend I am the new Jed Mishu. <laughs> and this is nothing I wanna be clear, taking nothing away from the champion, who is great, but I feel like like some some skullduggery has happened here. And I didn't even get to talk about any of the things I wanted to talk about. I wanted to talk about Habib. Because Habib, I'm calling it now, Mike. This is what I'll end on. Habib is about the Michael Jordan do shit out of the MMA world. He's talking about how he wants to go do his first love, which is football. He's going to do that for like a year, realize he's not that good at it, and then be like, shit, I'd rather go beat some dude up, come back, reclaim the title, put together 35-0. and 0. That puts him ahead of Yaroslav Amosov's whatever he's going to have by that point and be the greatest fighter of all time. I hate this. This is the worst day of my life. (laughs) Well, there you go. And uh, if that happens with Habib Nurmagomedov and he does come back to MMA, we will talk about it right here on this show. But that's not going to happen next week. 
We'll see what happens next week, but we're getting out of here. For Phoenix, for Jed, for Shadow Shadi, for E. Casey Lydon on the ones and twos, I am Mike Hack. We'll see you back here next Thursday once again between the legs. Good night, everybody. I love this- everybody that's not Sean. <laughs> <laughs> this has been Between the Links, a MMA fighting production. I'm Mr. Lynn. I have a beautiful voice. Thanks for watching. Hit the subscribe yep. button. Uh, click likes. Uh, you know, do uh, do whatever. Hey, Jet sucks. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over. Age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from Fundrise. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise Flagship Fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting Fundrise.com Fox. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise Flagship Fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at Fundrise.com Flagship. This is a paid advertisement.